Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Ask the Expert North Texas here on News Radio 1080 KRLD. I'm David Rankin. And I'm Kristen Diaz. The first vaccine to protect our little ones from the respiratory syncytial virus is one step closer to approval from the Food and Drug Administration. And this is big news because families who've had to deal with this by having to take their little ones to the hospital, they know how bad this can get. On today's Ask the Expert, Dr. Rister from Cook Children's joins us in the KRLD Zoom room to share more about what this means. Good afternoon. This must be big news for you guys. Yeah, this is this is really big news. You know, RSV is one of those diseases that almost every child deals with at some point. So any, you know, means to reduce that burden is, is huge. So this is something people have been working towards for a long time. How long is the difference between the adult vaccine and now the approval of the children's vaccine? What's interesting, you know, the adult vaccine, when we say adult, what we're really talking about is elderly adults, because the two populations that are really affected by our, by RSV are elderly folks, you know, over 60, especially well over 60, and then really young babies. We're talking under a year, but maybe under two years. So most adults actually don't fall in a high risk category, but those older folks do. So that was recently approved in the past several months for use in, L- in patients over the age of 60 as a routine vaccine. And we're just now starting to discuss whether we're gonna extend that to, you know, the the really little ones, the little tiny babies that we, you know, obviously have a particular need for. I'm curious about the age limit for this vaccine. They say it's for kids two years old or younger, but what's so important about that two year cutoff? Does it just not work in older kids? Yeah, it's really the disease itself, you know, Respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, where you go for short because it's always tough to say that, is a disease where it's it's really a common upper respiratory kind of symptom. You get congestion, cough, snotty, lots of um, you know difficulty breathing if you have small airways. So in older children and older adults, your airways are so big, and generally you've been exposed to enough viruses, including this one, enough times that it tends not to be much of an issue. For most folks, you think of RSV as a really mild infection. But for really small babies, because their airways are so small, because they truly are brand new, their immune system is still learning to respond to common viruses, they're set up for even a little bit of congestion can lead to a whole lot of respiratory distress. So the big burden of diseases on them, particularly the really small premature babies, the smaller you are, the worse this affects you. So can it be compared to something else that we would normally see in our adult lives? Yeah, you know, it really, if you're an older child or an adult, you think of the common cold, that's what we're talking about symptoms wise with RSV. It's a unique virus though, because it does the first times you get it lead to a bit more inflammation than you're gonna see with a common cold. And it does lead to a lot of snot. And these small babies, when they're, you know, we say big airways for a small premature baby, as you can imagine, is not very big. When they start filling up with secretions and even a little bit of inflammation, it can be pretty dramatic. So because this virus affects almost all young children eventually, if they get it when they're really small like that, you know, it's a sizable amount of disease. We see 
during the respiratory season with this, we see, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of kids, you know, even in our hospital in a year. If this gets approved, and by the way, there was not a unanimous vote for this at first, but if it eventually gets approved, when would doctors start to administer it? And is there a season of the year for RSV? Yeah, so, so RSV, we'll start with the seasonality to it. It happens every year. It was a little different during our quarantine status because when people weren't spending times around each other, we still had seasonality, but we just saw less of it because people just weren't around each other to spread it. So we didn't have much of an RSV season for a couple of years. And then it came back in force this past year, which, you know, we've heard about in the news with bad flu season and bad RSV season. Generally, you're talking seasonality. It varies a little bit year to year, but somewhere in the range of kind of November, December going into February, March is what we're looking at. for. So those kind of late um, wintery months, small, the short days of the, uh, of the, the season, that's what you're kind of thinking with, with RSV. And that's pretty consistent every single year. That's when we see it in the Northern Hemisphere. Southern Hemisphere, it flip-flops on us. Um, yeah. It was interesting the decision-making for when this could come out for children. The rationale, it's a bit unique because unlike with the adults, the adults, that person's at risk over the age of 60 and they can decide for themselves based on this safety data and the efficacy, which was good, whether they wanna get it or not. For the children, we're not actually giving the vaccine to babies. We're actually giving it to their mothers during the second or third trimester. And then their body forms antibodies. Mm. During that time period, they'll pass those antibodies on through the placenta so when their baby's born, they're born with plenty of those antibodies that mom actually made, and they can provide a lot of protection through the first year of life. This is something we're designed to do. That's why antibodies cross the placenta. It's to give a baby an extra boost of immunity until their immune system has time to learn and, and create all these on its own. So there's a bit of a nuance in the kind of the ethics of it. You know, you want to make sure you really know what a mother a family, their doctor, when they're talking about all these things, they know exactly what the effect's going to be and as much as they can what the risks are going to be. So it's a different situation. And that's why the decision-making was kind of split when they were talking about it at the FDA. In fact, they split the decisions between efficacy and safety because the efficacy part was pretty easy. This was very efficacious. You know, they followed babies. If a mom got this vaccine, her baby had about an 80 5% chance that they wouldn't get severe disease if they got sick with RSV Mm -hmm. compared if they hadn't gotten the vaccine at three months. That dropped down to around 60 or so percent at six months. So it's not perfect. We still have babies getting severe disease, but that's a that's a big effect. And when you talk about hundreds to thousands of babies in every community across America getting this, that's a huge effect you're going to see. So there was a no brainer on the efficacy. That's why it was unanimous approval in that regard. The safety was more interesting. You know, when they did the elderly adult trials, there were a couple patients in an arm of these trials where they also got the flu vaccine along with this RSV vaccine, where they had some, there were two patients who had some pretty severe central nervous system diseases. One that we don't, we don't have to go into all the details, but they were both um, inflammatory diseases of the, of the central nervous system. One was called Guillain-Barre and the other is called acute disseminated uh, cephalomyelitis, so long words, but really wow. <laughs> severe diseases. Um, we see those even in patients who haven't gotten vaccines. We see them following all sorts of illnesses or even not just happening spontaneously. So it's not clear if they were caused by those vaccines, but when you see two of those relatively rare things, it, it, it's a warning signal. So of course they're studying 
even after approval, they're going to follow up with those elderly patients to see if that signal continues. Do they actually see more of this or was that just a fluke because they had mm -hmm. such a large population they study and then those patients were going to get that separate from the vaccine? Regardless. But right. it yeah. made, us, made them wonder, especially in this other population where we're giving the mom the vaccine because, you know, it, it doesn't apply to them as well. Does it in any way apply to their infant? They want to be able to answer those questions. And then also, uniquely for the moms getting this vaccine is that they started to notice that mothers given the vaccine had a slightly higher rate of premature births than the moms in the trial that weren't getting the vaccine. Now, these premature births were generally a week or maybe two weeks early. So in that relatively safe range, you know, babies that are being born at 38, 37 weeks gestation rather than 39, 40 weeks, that's a pretty safe range. Babies are born in that, you know, gestational timeline all the time. They do well, but it's still you know, it, it does increase risk and you want to know what that is. And that's where the discussion really shifted for the safety and why there was a split decision. So even though of the 14 people on that advisory committee that voted, 10 of them said yes, four said no. Yeah. It wasn't strictly a no that they thought this was an unsafe vaccine. They said, no, we need to get more information about exactly what these risks are. Because if you're going to ask right. somebody to, to talk about doing this, you want to be able to tell them exactly what they're getting in, into or at totally. least for the yeah. reason. So that's my long-winded answer for <laughs> a very short question. And that is Dr. Rister with Cook Children speaking with us about the RSV vaccine and where it is on getting approval from the FDA. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 